I have decided this morning to bring the message concerning the communion in the middle of the service instead of at the end. I have a reason for this. We, we get used to things, don't we? We, we, we say, okay, next comes this, then comes this, and, and, and then if something happens that interrupts the flow, we say, oh, what's gone wrong? <laughs> well, nothing has gone wrong. I am deciding that, that as we prepare to go to the table, that we take with us a fresh sense of what it is we are engaging in. And I've chosen an Old Testament book from which to bring the meditation for this morning. And I ask your attention, please, as we read and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, as we prepare to come to the table of the Lord. Genesis 22. I want to read the first 14 verses of Genesis chapter 22. Those of you who are familiar with your Bible, you know that this is the um, story, the incident of um, Isaac being offered by Abraham, and I trust that I should be used by God to shed some light on it this morning. The word of the Lord. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham, and some of you, if you have the old translation it says tempted. Uh, it's an unfortunate word. The word really is tested. The word test, the Lord tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham. And Abraham answered, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here a while, or stay here uh, with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship, and we will return to you. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took him, uh, and he took in his hands the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire, the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hands and 
took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have, walked, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by the horn. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered, up for a burnt, offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, or in from the Hebrew translation, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. In the mount of the Lord will provide. Father, I pray that your spirit will give us understanding to this mysterious story and that, Lord, he, the Spirit of God, will interpret the word of God to the hearts of the people of God so that the conclusion we come to today will not be our philosophy of religion, but it will be, Father, the mind of God revealed to us in the word of God that we might live to the glory of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Shakespeare's play, As You Like It, you will find the famous All the World's a Stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their entrance and their exits. One man in his lifetime plays many parts. He acts in seven stages. Infancy, schoolboy, lover, soldier, middle age, and then the decline. <laughs> I have chosen this text because I want you to see something of what God is doing in the lives of those who are his. If anyone looked at Abraham that day when he was making his way to Moriah, no one would be able to understand that there was something mysterious happened, happening to his life. The demand that God made or the test that God made was such that it was frightening, frightening to say the least. And, and what I want you to see is how in each of our lives, your life and mine, but beyond that, there's a theater. Something is taking place beyond what we can see. Behind the scene, S-E-E-N, there is a scene, S-C-E-N-E. And I want to briefly share this morning with you, as we come to the table, in this text what I see and how I trust that God will use it to speak to our hearts. First of all, there is the divine theater. And in every theater you have two groups of people, or more than two, but those people that are known. There are the actors. The actors. And for the, the, the scene that is going to be played will determine the kind of actors that Hollywood will use. In this scene, God 
chooses the actors. Here is Abraham. This man whom God had called out of a life of idolatry to become a follower of Christ, of God. There is Isaac, his son. We'll look at him in a few minutes more personally. There is, there are the two young men. There are the props, if you please. The fire, the wood, the donkey. And, and, and you look at this scene and, and you want to wonder, what is it all about? But this scene is called together by the director. The director is God. Look at the text again. At the very opening. Now it came about after these things. Now you want to ask yourself, what are these things? Because you will understand this, this mysterious story about God asking a father to sacrifice his son. You will understand it if you understand what happened before this incident. Before we get to this place of Abraham being asked by God to sacrifice his son, there are six encounters that Abraham had with God. And those six encounters prepared him for the seventh, which is here in chapter 22 of Genesis. Do you remember David? When David met Goliath and Saul said to David, you can't go. He's a seasoned soldier. You are just a young kid. What are you going to do? And David said this. When I was taking care of the sheep, I killed a lion and a bear. I was being prepared by what I was doing for this incident. And so six incidences, God prepared Abraham so that when Abraham came to this place, when God asked him, it was not a surprise to Abraham. The man or the woman who walks with God is never surprised when God puts him or her to the test. I want to suggest to you, dear friends, that God tests his people. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you will come up against the test. And, and sometimes the test will come to the place where we least expect it. I was thinking of that this morning. I was thinking of Samara in Spokane, excited about going there for school, to study, to be a missionary. And, and she gets there. And someone steals her car. Not only do they steal the car. They did some ugly things to her car. Stole the stuff that... Here, a test. You would think that following God, committed to God, that that would not happen. But my friend, if you are a believer this morning, you are a candidate for God to test you. And sometimes that's not very easy. And God tests us in different ways. For Abraham, God said, I want you to sacrifice your son. Here's the director. Let me suggest to you just two things about this director. This director is a God of wisdom. Let me quote A.W. Tozer about what wisdom is in God. 
Wisdom in God is the ability to devise perfect ends to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. Wisdom in God sees the end from the beginning so that there can be no guess or conjecture. It sees everything in focus, each in its proper relation to all, and is thus able to work toward a predestined goal with fearless precision. The God that was asking Abraham to sacrifice his son is a God of wisdom. He knew what, what this would cost Abraham. But he wasn't tantalizing this man. He was strengthening the faith of Abraham to the place where Abraham becomes a model for you and me in the 21st century that when we decide to follow Jesus Christ as Savior, there will be a period of testing. He's a God of wisdom. He's a God of love. He's a God of love. Listen, listen to what God does to Abraham. Abraham, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. Talk about pushing it in. Did he have to, did he have to, did he have to, to say that in that way? You see, what we will learn later on, that this this son of Abraham pictures the Lord Jesus Christ whom the eternal father loves. It is interesting. This word love here from the Hebrew is the first time love is mentioned in the Bible. The very first time. You go to the New Testament and Christ is introduced to us, how? By his baptism. And what does God say? This is my Beloved son whom I love. So the New Testament opens with the love of God, the Father, for God the Son. What about the Gospel of John? The first time love is mentioned in the Gospel of John, listen to what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So when God is telling Abraham about love, See, he's saying something about himself. He's telling Abraham that, that behind the call to sacrifice his son is not, a vic is, is, is not a God who is vicious. It's not a crooked mind that is behind this. It, it, is, it, is, it is not someone who, who has it in for you. He's not asking you to sacrifice your son because he has something against you. Behind this call is the wisdom and the love of God. My friends, when we come to the table, behind this is the love of God. It's the wisdom of God. And, and so now we go to the, to the dramatic transaction Genesis 22, 7 to 11. Look first of all at the perplexity. Verse 7. As they're making their way now, day one has passed, day two has passed. Can you imagine what may have been 
the, going through the mind of Abraham. How do I respond to what God is asking me to do? In this text, my friends, we see something of, of that unique love that is parental love for their children. And Abraham is, is showing us something. As we see this perplexity, it, it, it is in Isaac. Listen, listen to his words. Verse 7. Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, may I just translate it, or paraphrase it for you? Daddy, Daddy, my father, not only the one who loves me, but the one that I love. Daddy, I, I see, I see everything, but I don't see the lamb. My friends, when God calls us, as he was calling Abraham, and God begins to lead us as he's leading Abraham. Please listen. The only answer for the difficult question of life must be left with God. See, Abraham didn't try to cover this situation with, with long explanations. I, I, someone, someone said, you know, when you're in college and you have a test, and you're not too sure of the answer... You just write. And you just write. And you just write, hoping that somewhere along the line you will get the answer. Abraham didn't do that. Abraham said, My son, God is going to provide for himself the lamb. He lifted, he lifted the perplexity of his son into the very presence of God. But please listen. They went on after that because Isaac was confident in his father's knowledge of God, he could endure his father's explanation of God. You know, my, my son... He's in a waiting period right now. And he's very excited. He called me the other day. And, and he's asking about certain things. And I was excited about the question. And, and he can almost taste being involved in God's service. But he's not there as yet. He's, he's sitting at a desk in Seattle. Where he's working in a church environment. But not the place where... He feels God is calling him. And so he called his father. And, and there is a special sense of joy for me that he has enough confidence in my answer to his perplexity. Why, why, why is it that, that I'm here when really I want to be there? I, I, I want to be involved I ask you fathers and I ask you mothers, does your son or daughter have enough confidence in your knowledge of God 
that they can take your word of encouragement to them from God. See, when we come to the table, when Jesus went through all the perplexities in Gethsemane, listen to how he ends it. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Let's look at the progression. The progression. Verse 9. Three days to the destination. This is drama of the highest kind. And our minds would try in vain to capture the experience. The 100-year-old man, because that's how old he was then. And, and when it says his son, he's not talking about a five-year-old child. The Hebrew word for the word son here is someone who is between 20 and 25. So, so he's, he's no little child. <laughs> and and in, in the progression, in the progression, as, as he's thinking of things, as Abraham is thinking, if my son is conscious that there is something missing, how, how do I deal with that? You've got to go to the New Testament, Romans 4, 17, which says that he believed that God could give life to the dead and calls into existence things which do not yet exist as though they did. See, our knowledge of God, my friends, must not be superficial. It can't be a convenient knowledge. It has to be a knowledge that is rooted and grounded in your, in your experience with God on a daily basis. So that, so that when you come to those experiences in life, you are convinced that God is able to do above all that you can ask or think. And you can, you can actually thrust the uncertainties into his hands. The progression. Just imagine how much time they had to think about. I, I wonder if this is really of God. <laughs> I wonder if God would ask us to do something like this. And so the progression is a time of tremendous testing. But time is going. Please let me get to the performance. The performance. Amazing truth in this. Think of it. This 100-year-old man, let's say this 20-year-old boy. You know, I, I think again of, of, of my boy when, when he was born. I could, I could pin him down anytime as he was, you know, before 15. I mean, he, he just loves, when he comes home to visit, Dad, can I go to the gym? And, and the boy's in good shape. I wouldn't try to pick a fight with him right now. <laughs> but think of it. How does Abraham tie his son on an altar with the possibility of fire and a knife? What is it that would cause this son to submit so completely to his father that he was willing to be placed there. Please listen. The answer was not in the son. The answer was in God. The answer was in God because he believed that God was able 
even if he should go through with this, God was able to revive Isaac back to life. And so, the performance goes on. Your son whom you love. And behind this story, my friends, behind this story, think of the divine love. Father, I would that those whom you have given to me be with me that they might see how much you love me. The father loves the son. And the son loves the father. And when we look at Calvary, for those who cannot understand why God will allow his son to die on the cross and be critical and be judgmental of God, they have no understanding of what God is doing. They have no understanding of the wisdom behind this action. They have no understanding of the love that is motivating this, this, this action. And that's why when we come to the table, my friends, we need to have a sense of what it cost God for us to be able to celebrate the Lord's table today. We need to have a, a fresh sense without trying to be humorous at this time. I, I heard the story of, of some ministers being um, discussing things as ministers would do, and one minister said, I think, I think we should have the communion every Sunday in our church. And the rest of the ministers said, oh, no, no, no. They would get too used to it and become commonplace. <laughs> and the minister said, have you thought the same thing about the offering? <laughs> we take that twice a day in some churches. You see, my friends, we should never allow this to become commonplace because when we look on Mount Moriah and we see something of a father and his son, when we see something of a father willing to say to God, I have come to understand your love to be deeper and higher, your wisdom to be beyond mine, and I can trust you with the life of my son. Even if you take his breath from him, you can put back his breath in him. Isaiah 53 was read this morning. And listen, listen. It pleased the father to bruise his son. As I mentioned, love is first mentioned in the Gospel of John in that great verse, God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so, G.K. Chesterton said they have invented a new phrase that is black and white contradiction in the two words, free love. You, some of you are old enough to remember when that was the saying of the day, free love. But Chesterton says this, they are mistaken, for it is the nature of love to bind itself because love has demands, love has requirements, and anyone who wants free love is asking to do what they want, not what they should. And God loved you and me, my friends, and it was not free love. It was a love that cost him his son. God so loved the world that he gave his son. The divine triumph, the divine triumph. 
11 to 14. I want you to see this. This is most beautiful. The prohibition, 11 and 12. Abraham is going through the process now. And he's coming to the place where the knife is over his head. And he's about to bring the knife down. And as he's about to bring the knife closer and closer to his son, immediately, if you look in your text, you will see something. In verse 1, it is said that God called Abraham. In this verse, it says, the angel of the Lord called Abraham. Because of time, let me just suggest, tell you this. The term angel of the Lord is a description of Christ before his incarnation. So it didn't say an angel of the Lord. It says the angel of the Lord. You can study that in the Old Testament. So that now the Father spoke. The plan was revealed in his testing of Abraham. And now the Son comes and says to Abraham, Don't do the child any harm. Involved in what is going on in this, this divine theater are actors and director. There are props. But in that divine directorship from on high, God's son says to Abraham, I will complete it when I get on earth. Don't do the child any harm. So Abraham is about to do his, his thing and he's told not to do it. So how, how is this offering going to be accomplished? Verses 13 and 14. He said, look. And Abraham looked and saw a ram caught. And Abraham went and took that ram and the ram died in the place of his son. In the communion, the son died in your place and mine. God went all the way. Abraham only went so far because that's how far he can go. But if your redemption and mine is to be completed, my favorite verse in scripture, I say that, I have a whole lot of them. But my favorite verse, Romans eight thirty two. God spared not his own son, but gave him up with, uh, for us all. He spared not. He went, he went, he completed the job so that when Jesus was on the cross, knowing that everything was now accomplished, he said, it is finished. It is finished. God was pleased with the offering of his son who said to Abraham, that's that's as far as you need to go. I will go the rest of the way. And Abraham learned in that moment that redemption, salvation, is provided by God. Not by man. Not by how much money you give to the church. Not by how many services you attend. Not upon the, your service. Salvation, my friends, comes by faith. By faith in the Son of God alone. God spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. How shall he not with him provide us? Because, you see, 
Jehovah Jireh is not only for the cross. Jehovah Jireh is for our life. God provides for us day by day by day. <laughs> you know, Psalm 103 talks about God giving sleep to his beloved. You know, in the Hebrew, that word is God gives in their sleep. So that even while you are sleeping and while I am sleeping, Jehovah Jireh is providing. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. By faith, when Abraham was tested by God, he offered up Isaac, his only son. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, by which he received him back. As a type, Abraham surrendered his son. He said, the son is yours, God. God doesn't call us to do human sacrifice, none at all. But as human beings, he will test us to see, to prove our faith. Many years ago, two people wrote a hymn. Some of you that are older Christians will remember it. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget thy agony. Lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. My friends, that's what we're doing this morning as we come to the table. We don't want to ever forget. We never want it to become commonplace. Because in the communion, there is the theater, the divine theater. And if we belong to God, we might be tested. God might challenge us, if you please, to purify our faith. But we know that this divine director is wise beyond all human wisdom. His love is beyond human understanding. And like Abraham, we can trust him with the dearest to our lives because we know that he, when he asks us to surrender something, he gives to us again and again and again, as this has been proven through the Bible again. And the day will come, my friends, when the last thing God will do for you and for me, he's going to give us a new body like the one of his son. That's what God is doing. We might go through the test now with our bodies and everything else, but the day will come when he will make the exchange and as Paul puts it, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Behold the Lamb. Let's sing a song of meditation.